Hello, you are listening to The Will and Rob Show. My name is Will Stockdale, Ministry Associate with Ministry to State, here uh, once again with my very good friend, Robert Hassler, who is Director of Communications for Ministry to State. Uh, we are really excited and glad to be with you. This week, it was the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, which was not only a sporting event, it was also a musical event. And as always, it is also a time to uh, chew on the commercials and think about what exactly we saw, what were the messages being conveyed. And so Robert, and I want to spend this episode just kind of uh, unpacking a lot of that I, we'll get we'll get into this, I guess, eventually. Personally, I thought the game was kind of boring. I didn't think that there was that much time. I think the fact of you know Tom Brady winning once again at 43 years old with Rob Gronkowski is a great story and is a lot of fun. But as far as a game goes, it, it was it was pretty lackluster. I think also want to tee up and uh, give a little teaser here. Next week we're going to start a new segment on our show called Cinema Cherubim. Uh, after our our good, uh, you know, the great people over at Video Angel have provided uh, edits to to movies for families to be able to watch together, and so we kind of want to look. We're going to admit we stole our title, Cinema Cherubim, from the idea of Video Angel. Ours is better. It's not an alliteration. <laughs> we start with the same same letter of, of, of each word, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time every week reviewing a movie. Uh, we have one that we're going to watch and talk about called Velocipaster. Oh boy. Uh, oh, it's, it ought to be a good discussion, probably, <laughs> but it ought to be a fun discussion. And so Robert here, I want to kick it off to you. Uh, what's your, uh, what, what has your week been like uh, post Super Bowl? Well, you know, my, I guess I'll start, my week kind of started actually the, before the Super Bowl because, um, I got my second flat tire in four months, um, which actually disrupted my entire Super Bowl weekend plans uh, because uh, I spent almost all day Saturday trying to deal with the flat tire, trying to get it in into the shop to get fixed, and then uh, ended up actually busting my entire Super Bowl Sunday plans, um, which was supposed to be uh, sort of one of the uh, a fun party with with some very small group of friends. Um, but didn't get to do that because of my flat tire. Uh, and then actually ended up having to go back to the shop uh, on Monday. So it was just, it was sort of a mess. Um, but I did watch Super Bowl from my house with my son and wife. Um, it was a lot of fun uh, having just sort of a mini Hassler family Super Bowl party, which was great. I totally agree with you. I thought the game was a complete dud. Um, I thought it was going to be way uh, more like high scoring, a uh, lot more of a back and forth between Mahomes and Brady. And it was just one-sided from the very beginning. I mean, there was just yeah. no, there was nothing the Chiefs could do. No, that breakdown of the offensive line, the pressure that was put on Mahomes the entire game. I guess, what, was it dominant defense or a, a, an incompetent offense that took away a lot of the fun that would have been had? Right. Well, the, the main defense. thing was that Mahomes had no protection, right? So he was just constantly running around trying to get rid of the football. I, I saw a great uh, sports tweet by uh, one of the guys over at The Ringer and he was like, uh, Pat Mahomes has just thrown the best seven incomplete passes in NFL history. Cause like some of them were like, he's like running and jumping and throwing sidearm, but it was just, it's sort of a wild game, but you know, uh, hats off to the Buccaneers. Uh, I think the story is pretty awesome. The idea that Tom Brady taking a, a seven and nine, uh, team that has, hasn't made the playoffs. in I don't know how many years, 11. Uh, yeah. To, uh, uh, to win three straight games, uh, to win a Super Bowl. 
Um, and in, in, in the process of that, going through a really good Washington uh, uh, football team defense, and then also beating Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. Um, at I mean, Lambeau Field. And at Le- Yeah, and being 43 years old. And I, I just thought that was so cool. So hats off to Tom Brady. That was a, a heck of a performance and um, good for him. But, you know, what's interesting is that because the game was such a dud and I just wasn't really paying attention to the football that was being played, it sort of magnified everything that was surrounding the game. Uh, and really, ha- I had an opportunity more so than other years to really pay attention to not just the commercials, but also just sort of the the pregame performances, the halftime performance, which I, I know you have some some good thoughts about. Um, and just sort of, you know, generally speaking, the, the mood and atmosphere of the Super Bowl, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's this huge event, you know, there's a bunch of cameras on it. It's in Florida. So there was still quite a significant amount of people there, but still, you know, 25,000 people, it still was an empty stadium to some degree. And so you've got the, the specter of COVID looming over the Super Bowl. Plus you've got obviously all of the, um, uh, uh, the NFL's pushed this entire season, uh, their end racism campaign and, um, a lot of references to what was going on during the summer. And then, um, also on top of that, you've got the political turmoil that's going on. And so, you know, a lot of commercials, uh, you know, the Jeep one, I think kind of sticks off at, at, on people's at the top of people's minds, you know, really speaking into those, those matters as well. So just kind of an interesting Super Bowl. I can't really remember one like this. I'm sure that if you were to like talk to like my parents, I don't know what the Super Bowl post 9-11 was like. I'm sure it was very, you know, animated by the, you know, the political situation of what was going on then. But, you know, I don't really remember it nearly as much um, about sort of the events around the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I can't remember a Super Bowl like that. No, and I I can't either. One that was infused with so much importance. And I know Biden made some comments before the game and the pregame. Donald Trump did the same thing uh, in the 2020. Super Bowl, but something that you had said, and and I, you know, this is probably all of us kind of triggering our Jamie Smith element in us is the civic religion element to the Super Bowl event, which is a David Foster Wallace idea, not original necessarily to to Smith, but there is a lot of truth in the importance and hope people put in something like the Super Bowl because it is this this uh, apex of so much of American culture, and I would say dominant American culture, in that most people look to the Super Bowl for these things. And I think as Christians, it's a good thing to be aware of, particularly to look at what are the messages being sent, what are our neighbors looking to and from the Super Bowl, based on you know events that go on politically, culturally, um, globally. There is some expectation for the Super Bowl to address them, to speak to them, to have some kind of commentary on them, whether that's from the commentary in the pregame or the halftime show or the commercials. And actually we saw all of it in the Super Bowl. There was something uh, addressing that from everyone. And the, the game cannot just be the game. It has to be the game and something more. It, it has to hold a uh, a religious element, which again, everyone's probably thought this, but it is, it is very Romanesque in a way. It does have this gladiatorial element to it where, you know, you, you look uh, to this, this pagan element of infusing what is really just nothing is secular, whatever, but you do have this thing that is just a sporting event. It's just a bunch of dudes out there uh, throwing a ball around. However, there is an importance that's attached to it and a hope that we look to in there in order to give us some kind of shining light 
in, in the midst of a confusing, and look, we're all confused on, on where to go and how to approach the dynamics of the life that we live in. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you ask somebody, what's the ultimate American holiday? And, you know, so maybe someone says 4th of July, you know, maybe someone says something like Thanksgiving, just because I know other nations celebrate Thanksgiving of their own, but our, our Thanksgiving is very attached to sort of the American story um, about the pilgrims and, you know, and the native Americans, but no, the, the ultimate American holiday is the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl is the, is like what you just said, the apex of American culture. I mean, it is about sport. It's about politics. It's about consumerism. It's about um, entertainment. You know, one thing that I noticed was that was remarkably absent from the Super Bowl because of the pandemic and people aren't going to movie theaters. We didn't get any sort of like big trailers like we normally do during the Super Bowl. Like you, you could count on the last like few years you were going to get the new Star Wars trailer at the Super Bowl. You were going to get the new Marvel uh, trailer. Although I think we did get a Disney Plus Marvel series trailer that everyone was excited about. But like sort of everything, you know, uh, uh, even like CBS launches their first, their brand new primetime television show, you know, right after the Super Bowl. It's it it's this place. What, what your point about the gladiatorial battles, I think that's totally true. I think what's interesting about our quote unquote gladiatorial games, if you want to call it that, is... I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm being a little anachronistic here, but my understanding is like sort of, you know, the gladiatorial games were in some ways a measure to distract the people from what was going on in, in the empire, right? Like, oh, we're losing battles in this faraway place. Oh, well, let's have a gladiatorial battle, you know. But in our Super Bowl, especially this year, it was like, no, we're going to talk about all of these things and in, actually infuse them into the game. And so... You couldn't actually go to the Super Bowl as sort of a relief of a lot of the tension and, and trials that we've been facing as a nation over the last year. In fact, you were like constantly reminded of them over and over again, right? Like you would have a game and you would look in the stands, like, okay, there's only like a few people, you know, there's only a few thousand people here. Um, and then it would like cut to commercial and there would be literally a, a care first commercial about like how you need to wear a mask and stay socially distanced. And then like you'd come back from the commercial break and it'd be zoning up on some guys, you know, the, his customized uh, message that he's put on the back of his helmet. No. And then all of a sudden we're now we're talking about, you know, George Floyd and, and, and racism. And it was just this really interesting thing where sports for so long have been something that we've turned to for relief from what's going on. It's a, an escape. And in, this, in Super Bowl 2021, that was just not the case. But even in that, even in the admit, admitting to, pointing out, focusing on areas of conflict and perhaps failure, there is still the message of that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. Look at what we can do, what we should. There is still this message of, you know, expect this big uh, canopy to fix things rather than a, a well, yeah, rather than just being a game. I think, and, and, and you're right also to say that there isn't as much distraction. There is definitely a an attempt to to cause us to focus, uh, which again is is just it's a it's a time of confession and repentance it seems in many ways. But in order to get to that, I think a great way to get there is talking about the halftime show. So let's do that, and then we'll talk about commercials afterwards. But for the halftime show, yeah, what do you think? Well, so when they announced that it was going to be the weekend, I thought that was a really interesting Super Bowl choice. Um, so I'm like kind of familiar with his his art. Uh, going back, he did a he was a feature on one of my favorite songs off uh, uh, Drake's "Take Care" album, and I think that was like some of the one of the first times I ever heard him. And 
sort of followed some of his, his music since then. It's tough. He, and, you know, his music is extremely, especially his early stuff is extremely sexual. So you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt, but very somber, very kind of like dark music, at least a lot of his earlier stuff. I mean, I, I know his new album is, you know, people have said it's kind of Michael Jackson-esque. Um, so maybe, you know, they're focusing more on that and that's why they picked him. But he played a lot of stuff from his, his earlier records. I know he, he performed one of the songs from 50 Shades of Grey, which, you know, that's that's off the table for a significant portion of, of Americans uh, in terms of what they want to listen to or what they want to see. Um, I, I Yeah, so I thought that the, from the very beginning, the choice of The weekend was very interesting. Although I think in maybe some respects, and I'd like to get your take on this, it's almost kind of the perfect fit for the Super Bowl 2021. It's like sort of a... Uh, as a sort of a mark of where we are currently as a nation. I mean, what did you think of the whole performance? Well, initially I thought we couldn't make it 30 seconds without some symbol of sacrilege. <laughs> it always happens at every Super Bowl now. I, yeah. It's not the, I mean, we had it at the Grammys. Now we get at the Super Bowl. I, I did think that was inappropriate. Maybe it could be reinterpreted because it was a bunch of what looked like robots or automaton choir. And then they changed attire as the show went on, but that, that was, that was offensive. I think at first um, it had the same appeal to me as watching Coldplay several years ago. in that I was just kind of in terms of a show, I was like, man, this is a little too mellow for me right now. Maybe if I was there live at a concert, it'd be more fun. But in terms of watching a Super, time, Super Bowl halftime show, like to me, Bruno Mars was one of the best halftime shows I've ever seen. I thought it was one of the most fun, uh, high energy, entertaining Super Bowl halftime shows I've seen. So I thought it was- Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't that the, also the one that the Red Hot Chili Peppers like made a guest appearance at? I think they like came out and played like a couple songs with Bruno Mars. It was like the weirdest mashup, but it weirdly worked. Oh, Yeah. It was great. It was great. It was so fun. I mean, Bruno Mars came in playing on the drums. Like it was, it was great. Uh, and then you also have, I mean, you have like Prince, his halftime show was great. Okay. So first of all, in terms of being entertained, I was like, eh. in terms of watching it for the commentary he was making, I thought, oh, this is, this is really interesting. People are wearing masks and then have these, these kind of head bandages on at well as well. There was a very dystopian feel to it. I mean, he was, he was lost in a very futuristic maze being surrounded and chased by people. I mean, that is that is about as dystopian as you can get in, in terms of imagery. So I, I thought that was, you know, to your point a second ago, it was very much drawing us into the complications of the moment and having us kind of feel and think through the chaos and disruption that was 2020 and as our lives continue. And I on, on its own merits, I'm sure we could say like there's some good artistic value there. Like there was certainly great amount of thoughtfulness uh, there's a great amount of intentionality in how the show was done. Was it what I would want for a halftime show? No, not at all. Yeah. You know, uh, my sort of the tweet length review is, you know, we've come a long way from dancing shark. Like, um, you know, the, the Katy Perry performance that was so colorful and bubbly and bright and, and positive. And then you have this great, you know, meme internet moment with the, the dancing sharks and he doesn't quite know what he's doing. And, you know, it was, it was so funny and light. And then, you know, you juxtapose that against what we saw on Sunday. It's just way different, just jarringly different. Um, and the Super Bowl is known, though. The halftime show is always a pendulum. Right. I mean, who knows what next year is going to be? They, they every year, it seems to go from one side to the other. And, it, you know, I also want to make sure that, like, I'm not uh, or I'm, I'm putting it within the context of sort of what's happened in the Super Bowl halftime shows before. And I think that, uh, to be completely honest, I think basically since the whole 
Janet Jackson episode, we've sort of approached the Super Bowl halftime show as something bigger than it really is, as this sort of like anything can happen. And it's like, well, usually like the the average for the Super Bowl halftime show is they get some like old classic rock band to like come back and play some hits for for the people in the stands. Like it's the Who, it's Prince, it's the Rolling Stones. It's really only since like the whole Janet Jackson fiasco that we've been like, let's get these really edgy artists and push America to the brink of what they can handle. And that's just sort of in my mind, I'm like, that's dumb. We should just go back to being like fun and and silly and and not take it so seriously. Well, an, an embarrassing aside, I'm just gonna say this for my own confession. The year the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake halftime show, the Super Bowl party for my youth group was held at my house. Oh no. And oh no. It said that he's like, hey, we're gonna watch the game, but at halftime, we're gonna turn it off and we're gonna do a Bible study. And I looked at him and I said, Matt, no one is here for a Bible study. Everyone is here because they want to watch the Super Bowl. I want to watch the halftime show. We're not going <laughs> to. Oh, no. Will, you're the reason. You've got a whole youth group corrupted. And, you know, here's what's crazy. It, so we ended up watching it, but I didn't actually see it. I was out of the room when everything, oh. when everything <laughs> I, I don't. I only heard about it from other people. Oh, that's so funny. And it was, you know, it's a real lesson in um, the the importance of listening to authority figures in my life. It is. It, was, it is. That's a great lesson. Oh, that's oh, so yeah. funny. Yeah. Anyway, that's great. So we got the halftime show and then we also have commercials and there are five commercials that you have singled out. And I want to get your take on the first one is the Jeep commercial. There's the Toyota commercial. There is the WeatherTech commercial that was uh, came on. There is the um, Reddit commercial, which is pretty unorthodox in a lot of ways. And then one more, what was the fifth one? Oh, the fifth one uh, was actually the Budweiser commercial. It actually, it was actually not aired during the Super Bowl, but it was uh, released the week leading up to the Super Bowl as sort of like, this is what we would have done. And I, I think we should probably start there because I think the first thing that is interesting to point out about this year's Super Bowl is that because of COVID, a lot of companies' budgets are constrained and they weren't actually able to do uh, the same amount or the number of spots that we're sort of used to having uh, in a Super Bowl. So like, you know, I, I mentioned the thing about the trailers. We didn't get a lot of those, I think probably because a lot of, of a lot of Hollywood is struggling with budgets and they don't want to blow a huge marketing uh, uh, bill on a movie that may not even make it to theaters. The other thing is, you know, the Budweiser thing, right? Like we're used to having a Clydesdale commercial, right? Like that's sort of the the thing that people look forward to. And, and Budweiser actually didn't do it this year. There was a Bud Light commercial, uh, which is pretty standard fare, but um, no Budweiser commercial. Uh, and they did actually release a commercial beforehand that I actually thought was was really good. Um, it was all about sort of finding the the beauty in uh, moments by in being together and not necessarily the event itself. And I thought for you know the sort of the way that they kick that off right is they show a couple who's clearly they planned for their entire wedding to be this beautiful beach wedding and it's obviously raining and it got rained out and you know the couple are by themselves underneath the tent away from everybody and they they clink their beers together and start laughing and i think for to set the mood in in some sense because it was the first one that i saw i think it set the mood for kind of what i wanted to see out of a lot of these commercials that were going to try to tackle what was going on which was let's focus on the things that get us through hard times, which is relationships, um, lightheartedness, you know, like sharing a beer with somebody. I thought that that was, was really good. 
Um, and it, it found the line and, and play, did a good job of sort of not crossing it, which I think leads me to then want to talk about the Jeep commercial because I think Let's it's hold amazing. off. Let's end okay, with, okay, go ahead. Let's end with that. But I think you're right with the Bud, Bud Light, Budweiser commercial. And it was about not just their brand of beer, but any brand of beer and these moments that people have that are so enjoyable because you are sitting with a beer in hand. And, and I think most of the times the most enjoyable beers that we've had are who are you with? Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Sitting at a bar talking, it's the conversation. And actually the beer is just kind of a lubricant for the conversation in a right. lot of ways. Um, well, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, and, well, if you know, if you have more to say on that, go ahead. I was going to tee us up to the next commercial. Well, so the, the, the last thing I would say about that Budweiser commercial is the, which I thought was interesting was it's, so it spoke into the current cultural moment, which is right. Like we want to be together and we can't, but it at, in throughout the commercial, they don't ever give any indicator or any indicator that that's what's going on in people's minds, right? There's no, there's no shots of people taking off masks. There's no shots of, of you have no idea that the setting is COVID. It looks like life as normal, right? And and what they did a brilliant job of is is that's we sort of are so focused in on this current moment, right, of COVID and being separated and isolated from one another. But that's actually a reality for a lot of people all the time, right? They we want to be in relationship with each other. And there's a lot of things in life, work, you know, uh uh events that are outside of our control that prevent us from doing that. And we, we long to be back in relationship with one another. And I think the brilliance of the Budweiser commercial was, we know you're feeling that because you, we know COVID. Well, we don't need to remind you of that. Like we know life all the time can be really difficult. And let's really, let's, let's tap into this almost universal sentiment, which is we just want to be back together. And I think that th that's why it was so brilliant. And I think it would have lost a lot had people taken off masks in the commercial. I think. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. A little more cheesy. Okay, so next commercial, the Reddit, the Reddit screenshot, basically. Yeah. So that one was so interesting. When it came on my screen, I was like jarred. I was like, "Well, what's going on here?" Because the Super Bowl again is one of those things where it's like people have always done the math, right? It's like, okay, how much does a five second spot at the Super Bowl cost? And then you know you kind of game plan with your buddies, and you'd be like, okay, if you had that kind of money, what would you do? Because like. The theory is like anybody could spend, you know, any rich person out there could spend an obscene amount of money to get something across the screen for five seconds at the Super Bowl. It's not regulated or conditioned the way a normal commercial market is, if that makes sense. Um, and so Reddit kind of proved like what's like the craziest thing that you can do during the Super Bowl commercial uh, if you have enough money and you and you can buy it. And, you know, they they basically had this five second thing. It sounded like, you know, the screeching of like a. Um, when an emergency alert comes on your television. So it has that. So it's already, you're already gripped and you, you kind of have this sort of sense of emergency sort of kind of feeling in the back of your head. And then it's five seconds. It's just on like a, on like an orange screen, sort of stereotypical of a Reddit screen. And then it's gone. And what, what ended up having a bunch of people doing is going is rewinding and pausing it so they could actually read the whole message. And that actually proved the whole point of what Reddit was, was trying to say. And what it was, so connected to what happened with the whole GameStop insanity. And it was basically in the midst of this entire event about unity and coming together and the common ground. And, you know, people are you're talking about the elites and then the, you know, the people come in together, blah, blah. And then in the middle of that, Reddit just sort of throws this, you know, uh, spitball, if you will. And it's like the people over the elites. It, it, it was just this weirdly, shocking thing that I think happened that I'm not sure enough people are talking about.
the interesting, another interesting part is that it was, they put enough text on there to not be able to be read in that amount of time. So the whole point, like you said, was either to pause and rewind and it, or to go to YouTube and check it out or to see some, go to a Google image and see it there. But it was a way to try to take advantage of like what, you know, we don't want to spend all this money. Uh, and, and honestly, what kind of commercial would Reddit do? I guess it could do something pretty creative, but not many of the companies are like Reddit where this would have worked. I mean, they're, they're just a little, just a little off uh, in terms of what happens on that website to make the commercial that they chose to be so fitting to them, as you were saying. Well, yeah. I mean, their whole message is basically like, especially with the whole GameStop thing that's attached to it. And I think they, they definitely, they like directly mention it in the, in their text. They talk about like the, the events of last week, which is clearly what's going on with GameStop. And, you know, they were kind of betting that the big brands would have these sort of over cinemalized sentimentalized commercials and their whole thing was kind of like that's all phony and and weird and you know we're the normal ones because we acknowledge reality as it is which is you know the little guys versus the elites and you know you need to be on reddit so you're a part of the conversation the discourse it was just so it was fascinating uh for a super bowl to to have that moment in it that sort of i don't want to say corrected because that's almost being too generous to reddit but like it was sort of this clarifying moment where you're like, oh yeah, like life is still going to happen tomorrow and it's not going to be as picturesque as the the commercials and the game want to present, right? We're still going to have political turmoil tomorrow. We're still going to have these populist streaks tomorrow. We're still going to have to do all these things and like, you're going to have to be on a side. And it was, I just thought it was really a really interesting moment within the whole Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. Next commercial, we got uh, Toyota. Well, yeah. So the Toyota commercial, first off, you know, I was happy because we got some Olympic stuff and I'm very much looking forward to the Olympics. It's my, one of my favorite things uh, to do as a, as a viewer and a fan. And, um, uh, and so I've been looking forward to the Olympics. uh, So I was hoping for some Olympic stuff. And I was actually really happy because we got this really beautiful commercial from Toyota. And one thing that I thought Toyota did that was smart was they kind of got out of the way. Like there was no mention of their cars or their products you know, they just wanted to highlight the fact that they're sponsoring Team USA. And we're looking forward to the Olympics and telling this really beautiful story of an, of an American athlete and citizen uh, and really her family. I mean, it's not just about her, but her family as a, as a whole. Um, and so I thought it was just gorgeous. You know, uh, I know the, the sort of the common take, especially by people more right of center, is that it was this beautifully pro-life commercial. I think that's definitely a text, that a subtext that's there. I mean, it's an implication of someone that the the... the... Olympian is an adopted child from from Russia, and so as she comes over from, I think Siberia actually. Maybe. Yeah, Siberia. Yeah, portion of Russia, all that east of the Ural Mountains stuff. <laughs> um, and so I think there was a very a very beautiful pro life message that could be read into it. it. It was not explicit. I mean, Toyota could say either way on that where it stands. Uh, um. Yeah, it was, it was encouraging, it was heartfelt. It was, you know, a reminder of the Olympics. Um, there, well, well, we'll keep going here. Let's, <laughs> We've got another car commercial to talk about here pretty soon. We do, we do. And uh, the, the, before that, though, WeatherTech, which I was not expecting to see WeatherTech doing a Super Bowl ad. So I think one of these things, right, like because of the way that the, the Super Bowl commercials were set and because of certain companies' budgets and whether or not they want to spend, you know, you get these little, these smaller companies 
have an opportunity to buy up a couple more spots. You know, WeatherTech's not small by any means. I mean, a lot of people know their products. Um, I think they actually had quite a few spots during throughout the Super Bowl, a couple different commercials. Um, but I think uh, what was so cool about the WeatherTech commercials, and I think you, you kind of have to talk about them uh, uh, juxtaposed against the Jeep commercial, which we'll talk about in a second, which was that um, WeatherTech really recognized where they fit in this whole discussion. Um, obviously, there's you, you can't draw these really strict lines anymore between sort of the market and politics. You know, what's going on in our political situation inherently shapes and forms the way we talk about business and vice versa. Um, we've had a lot of conversations over the last years about what capitalism and the social activism of companies and brands and I think what was so refreshing about WeatherTech is they sort of, they went back to that uh, model of a, a business that understands its role within society, what it's there to do, not just from a, we're here to sell products and make money, but also a sort of a social uh, benefit. Idea. You know, how do we take care of our employees? How do we take care of our customers? What are we doing as a company that makes a positive uh, impact on the broader society? And they didn't feel the need to reach beyond what their role is, right? They they really took uh, ownership of what they're there to do, and that is to sell good products, good quality products that help people in their lives, and then at the end of the day, um, uh, takes care of their employees um, and does quote unquote the right thing. Now, of course, there's some political debate about you know what that right thing is, but that that right thing being, you know, we don't ship our jobs overseas to you know to places and undercut the, the wages of our employees. We keep our manufacturing in-house. We employ, you know, uh, Americans to do this work. Um, and, and very much the subtext, right? Americans of all kinds. I mean, they definitely were highlighting uh, men and women of all, of all ethnicities. Um, and I think it was sort of uh, one of those commercials that was simple but effective um, and, and did what they needed to do, so. I'll say my first takeaway from the commercial was what I noticed was the the diversity that was on there. There were men and women, white, black, Hispanic were all represented for sure. I don't know if there were others that in the commercial that I missed. So I thought that was intentional, obviously. So this is all constructed, right? This is all an intentional from WeatherTech and we could be cynical if we want, but I maybe for this one, we'll, we'll talk about the good. The other is the amount of joy that was in the commercial. It seemed that everybody who was there was very happy about what they were doing. There was the guy who said, I like wearing my WeatherTech polo wherever I go. He said, I'd wear it everywhere if I could. There was a sense of pride that they were wanting to, that you could clearly tell the people at WeatherTech wanted to instill in their employees. There was a, uh, there was a strong uh, diversity. There was an amount of joy. There's an amount of pride that was in the work. There's a strong amount of community, but it wasn't just, what they tapped into also, I think, was not just community within the workplace, but that people want to be able to leave where they work and tell others that I had a really good day and I love where I work or I'm proud of what I do, even if it can be mundane at times. And I think they tapped into all of that. There's, you know, there's certainly the the bigger conversation of it being made in America and 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 people can can talk about that. But I think in terms of, like you said, staying in their lane and saying, we are going to talk about the products we make. We we know that they're good products and people want to buy them. And when you do buy our products, here's what you're supporting here's where your money is going, here's what it is allowing to continue to be sustained. 
And that I think is what made it a very powerful commercial. But look, it was not sexy. Uh, it was it was heart filling, sure, but it wasn't it, it wasn't at all like what we're going to discuss next, the Jeep commercial and what they were trying to do. And so I'll start with this. I watched the Jeep commercial last night for the first time. At first, I was like, this is a really good commercial. Like, I really, really like it. And had I not read more of the comments, which is funny, all the comments on YouTube, I wouldn't have understood why people were upset. I think that it is possible, and I want to get your takes, but, you know, deleted. I think it is possible to see that commercial and read it on face value as something that can be agreed upon, much like Biden's inauguration address. There, there's a certain face value uh, element to these things. They're like, no, that that's good. You start peeling back the layers a little bit, then it becomes a different conversation and there can be a great amount of disagreement. So with that, Robert Hassler. Yeah, I think I want to start with what you just said about sort of on the surface level. And I think that there's some things that you can that that you can say about it, right? Like, is it it's a beautifully shot commercial. I mean, it's just a gorgeous uh, uh, cinematography. Um, I really like, you know, I'm I'm I have family in that part of of Kansas and in that part of the country. And so I have. I have warm feelings associated with seeing, you know, the, the, the snow and the sort of the rolling plains and those really simple kind of prairie uh, chapels. And so um, I think that's on the surface level. And I think you have to admit that regardless, and we'll get into this, regardless of his political values and affiliations, Bruce Springsteen is uh, undoubtedly uh, sort of one of America's songwriters, right? Like he, he very much speaks into the American psychology um, for he's united people across a lot of different political spectrums, right? There's a lot of sort of blue collar, culturally conservative folks who love Bruce Springsteen because he really embraced that, that culture um, with his sort of modest New Jersey roots and, and his music, uh, especially in a time of the 80s when everything was so big and glamorous. He really sort of brought things back, kind of almost the second coming of Bob Dylan in some ways. And so um, I get why people have really positive associations with all of that kind of stuff. I think when you what you said was which was really good, which is when you start taking back the layers, I would also maybe add when you start bringing in the things outside the commercial into it, it starts to break down really, really fast. And I think and I don't know what's what. uh, Jeep was really thinking, I mean, I have a sense that at the end of the day, they're trying to sell product, right? They, they want people to buy Jeeps. So there's that element that you have to keep in mind. Um, but there's also, it very much felt like one of those commercials that Jeep kind of went into saying, we want to be the commercial that people talk about. Um, we want to, we want to turn heads and that's why we're going to spend a lot of money on filming this awesome thing. We're going to get Bruce Springsteen to be in it and narrate it. Um, we're going to put it at a prime time spot throughout in the Super Bowl. Um, and I think in its in its goal to turn heads and get attention on it, it succeeded. I think I could say that. I think where you got to start having to analyze it and where it starts to fail um, is when you realize just how many people of such different contexts hated the commercial. I mean, conservatives didn't like it. Liberals didn't like it. Um uh, there were a lot of Christians who liked it. And then there were a lot of uh, Christians who didn't like it because of some of the symbols and imagery. Um, it, it's just this, it was this really sort of baffling thing. At the end of it, I kind of was like, what were they thinking? Like, why did they choose to shoot this commercial? It doesn't seem very smart and prudent in the end, but maybe I'm, maybe I, I mean, I'm not a marketing guy, so I don't know, but 
Um, so yeah, I thought a, there, a lot of it fails for me. Okay, so you just mentioned we've talked about why people would like it. I think Message of Unity, Heartland of America, Bruce Springsteen coming together. What were the reasons that you saw for people not liking it, and what were the points of disagreement that people had with it? Well, I think one reason why maybe people of more liberal bent didn't like it, especially if you're if you're from the coasts, you know, it it sort of plays into that uh, old trope, right? That you know, real Americans are people from a certain part of the country. They drive, you know, certain, you know, brands of trucks and cars. Um, they look a certain way. They feel a certain way. They talk a certain way. Um, and I think that's a pretty valid argument. I, I think that uh, uh, when that trope is used, I think it is kind of um, off-putting for a lot of people. You know, I, I, I'm from that part of the country, so it doesn't offend me as much. I can also get why if you are sort of a born and uh, raised New Yorker um, who, you know, maybe you saw the 9-11 attacks up, you know, up front, like to sort of question your Americanness, I can see why that might be offensive. Um, and, uh, you know, now that I've spent some significant time on the East Coast and know people who are from the East Coast, I'm, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to that point. Um, the, the argument is not that there's, you know, a certain kind is, is more American than the other, but the, the point is that, you know, everyone from across this diverse land, not just in uh, people groups, but like actual topography, we're all Americans. And that's what, that's what makes us American Americans. And so I can see why you would probably be upset with that. Which is interesting because that wasn't actually the point that was being made by Jeep. They were not saying that the people from Kansas are more American. They were simply saying there is a spot in the middle of the country, and it was it was being used metaphorically completely. It was not at all telling people to move to Kansas in order to meet in the middle. That's that's lunacy. That's that's so. I, but I can see that there's been enough of that said out there that that can be read into it. But I think that's pretty clear that that is not at all what Jeep was trying to convey with that commercial. Right. Like it probably would have been more potent if it was like a Ford one, you know, uh, 150 commercial, right. Or, uh, uh, a Dodge Ram commercial. Cause usually trucks, truck commercials tend to be a little bit more upfront about it. Uh, you know, Jeep's a little less so, but still it's a pretty American brand. It's, it's associated with America. Um, yeah, like I think it, a lot of it depends on your, your background and your context. Um, as somebody from that part of the country, I don't get that as much, but I also understand where an East coaster or a West coaster might take offense. Well, people on the East coast and West coast, everything has to be mentioned about them in, in order for it to be past. So I think that the biggest sin was just not having the commercial feature, New York city or Los Angeles. That was yeah. the real error. Well, and then that, that sort of uh, commentary also breaks down when you realize it's Bruce Springsteen, right. Who is a new, who's a guy from New Jersey and represents that part of the country. And I think then that's where you start to get the, the feedback and the criticisms from people more right of center, right? Is that you have this whole commercial that's dedicated to this message of unity, being reunited, um, uh, coming together, the common ground, the middle ground. Um, and the spokesperson that Jeep chooses is um, uh, 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 a character who has sort of over the last four years has gone become increasingly more so uh, hostile towards people with opinions right of center, right? You have somebody that has uh, pretty openly bashed, not just um, the former president Trump, but also his his 
supporters, people who voted for him, uh, somebody who threatened to leave the United States and move to Australia if his candidate didn't win. Um, and so you're also bringing in for, at least I think for people right of center, they're listening to this message of unity. They're thinking of the message of unity that was just given at the inauguration of president Joe Biden. And then you see what's sort of happened in, so those two things are connected. And then you kind of see what's, what's been the agenda of the, of president Biden's first, you know, X amount of days in office. And, you know, a couple things that I think do, it's fair to say, um, have alienated people right of center. Um, they don't feel like they're being governed by somebody who's really interested in unity. And we've talked about this sort of a unity of conquest or a unity of compromise. I think they hear those things and they, and if you're already sort of bent that way, you're going to think, oh, this is just one of those, another one of those messages of unity by destruction, unity by conquest. Um, you don't, you're not actually interested in coming to common ground. You don't want to move. You want the common ground to be your position. You want everybody else to come to you. You're not really interested in compromise. And I think people read a lot in of that into this commercial. Right, which again is not what it was in Jeep choosing the spokesman, which is always important. Like who is saying what's being said, and they chose someone who was divisive. I I do, and, and that that may have been unwise. You know, as much as he is has been an icon, looking at current uh, statements being made, that perhaps it was not the best choice we made. I will say, people have criticized. You know, it's a commercial about Kansas, but it's a dude from New Jersey, and. I think that is is not fair at all. Again, the commercial was not about Kansas and it is no way makes someone's voice less legitimate because they're not from the middle of the country when the commercial is about meeting in the middle. So I, I thought that was that was a pretty unfair criticism of- Well, this is the whole point of what we were talking about, right? Like you, more people from New Jersey should go to Kansas and more people from Kansas should go to New Jersey, right? Like there's, that's kind of the whole beauty of America, right? Like you should actually go out and spend more time in other places in the country and get to know those places because that that's part of our nation, right? Um, I'm really thankful that I grew up in the South, went to school in the Midwest, and now live on the East Coast. And my fam- my wife's family is from the West Coast. So like I've gotten to experience a lot of America and it's, I'm I, personally, in my own opinion, I think I'm better for it. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that whole, that, that argument that, well, he's a, he's a New Jersey guy. He's an East Coast or he's a Yankee. He's at he's at a place here. I think fails um, the 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 point that we do want to make as Americans, which is that you know we all are citizens of this country and we are all welcome in, in parts of the country. So, yeah, it's that line: stories of peoplehood, something that we share. And when we negate that from people, when we prevent people from sharing that, it only alienates and drives a further wedge apart. Which you know, and I think maybe to end here as we land this plane and and we close out this episode and get ready for next week there's a lot to think about with commercials. And I think one is as Christians, we need to be aware of what's playing on our sentiments. We need to be aware of what's, what's striking, what's strumming the, the heartstrings in our chests, what's trying to get our attention and our loves. What's the main message that is being sent, whether it's Jeep or WeatherTech or Reddit, like what are people trying to get us to do and to pay attention and to remember what is the story of which we're a part? What is our primary identity? What does guide and orient our loves above anything else, which then allows us to interpret and understand um, what we're seeing? And I think as we talk about this divide, this importance of meeting in the middle, what seems to be almost an impossible request right now to ask people to meet in the middle, I think we're both increasingly convinced that the only hope for this country, and I do not mean this in a Christian nationalist sense, <laughs> the only hope for this country is the gospel. The only hope for any people anywhere is the gospel and things that derive 
from that and its truth and profundity that that has to be reached and the importance of of evangelism and faithful living. So, you know, that's kind of we're going to continue on, I think, this year as, as we look at and, and where our hearts are as we we go on. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I, I, uh, not to like go back and, and, and sort of beat a dead horse, but, uh, you know, a big part of that Jeep commercial is the Christian imagery in it, right? The, the idea that he's meeting at a chapel and um, there's images of, of a cross <laughs> uh, overlaid in an American uh, flag map, essentially. Um, you know, and I think it was it was interesting because it's such a Christian nationalist image. Uh, which is something we've been told to be really careful of and wary of lately. Um, but some people, a lot of people felt like that was fine in this instance. And so th- that opens up a can of worms that we need to discuss, you know, at some point. And then, um, but I think that uh, uh, generally speaking, you know, w- going back to what you just said, which is what is the thing that's going to um, save us? What's the thing that's going to uh, you know, sustain us. And you're right. It it has to be the gospel. And so one thing that we should be wary of as Christians is anybody who tries to compete with the gospel in that area. And that's the thing that really drove me nuts about the Jeep commercial, because Jeep is basically trying to say, we're the ones that can be, that can be, be the one that solves these problems. And I think we need to be really careful about that kind of message. Um, We need to make sure we need to be careful of of messages that compete with the gospel. Um, And so I think that just goes back to your broader point and a really good point at that, which is um, that the hope of all mankind, right, of all nations is the gospel. Um, and so uh, as we sort of move past from the Super Bowl uh, and we look to the, what the, as we sort of decipher what those competing messages are, how we're going to uh, uh, interpret those things and then um, challenge them with the gospel. Amen. Amen. Uh, this is a great place for us to end. Thank you for tuning in and listening to The Will and Rob Show. My name is Will Stockdale. You can follow me on Twitter at Stockdale Will. And then Robert Hassler, you can follow him at R.G. Hassler. We hope you have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you next week.